Welcome to Monsters of Talk. I'm Margaret Cho. I'm Jim Short. We are here today with our guest, Ian Harvey. Ian Harvey's a wonderful comedian, actor, um, activist, uh, lots of lots of model. Slash. <laughs> everything. <laughs> Slash. Um, thanks, for, thanks for joining us again. We were having a very interesting conversation about gender, and um, Ian is trans. Now, do you say, would you say you're transgender or transsexual? I usually say transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know Buck what? says, Buck calls himself Buck Angel, our other friend Ace, he says he's transsexual. Yeah, you know, I have to admit that I do have a, I have a, a little bit of phobia about, and I do think there is a, some out there too among others that, about saying trans, identifying as a transsexual. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's, it's one of those things that, but again, for me, like I, it just feels kind of sciencey. I don't know. Uh, um, I, but but I, I yeah clinical yeah transsexual does yeah it seems it re- reminds me of um it, it is very it's kind of an older fashioned term that's the the first one that you heard when you heard about trans um being talked about is transsexual yeah that was the first term that I had heard yeah what when that when that like the TV movie in the seventies like the tennis player one or something like that yes um oh gosh I, it, like with Rex Reed and like Raquel Welch. Rex Reed or uh, who was it? Who was in who there? Who was it? it, it uh, Richard Chamberlain. Oh, was it Richard Chamberlain? Was it Richard Chamberlain? I can't remember if it was a TV movie or it was um, some sort of. Um, it, it, it's been it's been like in in sort of like those um, movies like doc folk documentaries from the sixties and seventies of um, gender reassignment surgeries. Was it about um, Christine Jorgensen? Is Maybe that, yes. That, yeah. Okay. Yes. I think I'm thinking of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I, I think I, I think I was really little. Mm-hmm. When maybe or or pretty little when that when that came out and I have a vague you know memory of that um, yeah I guess that it is probably one of those words and I, my I actually I think that it's probably my own transphobia do you know what I mean mm-hmm. of, that that I have a, and it's only mild but it's an old and I'm just being honest like there's it's a it's a it's a word you know I've always listened to words and or ID identifications and words and kind of figure out whether they sort of resonate with me and and that one doesn't and it's probably because of my own sort of internal phobia Mm -hmm. um and maybe because of the history and maybe because of you know um derogatory stuff and that and that maybe transgender just sounds easier on the ears and i like to be easy on people i don't know maybe it's just it's my own shit but Uh yeah you know yeah so but i do i love that but i love people like buck who proudly boldly use it Mm -hmm. i do i think it's beautiful I guess maybe I'm just not as brave or I'm just not as, or maybe it's very, I'm speci- more, it's very yeah. specific. You know, he's, he's talking about specifically his experience in it and then his surgeries and you know, the, the stuff that he talks about it, 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 it does point to, okay, I have a very specific idea of my identity and it's going to be this. So, right, right. you know, everybody's got their own yeah, way. I guess, you know, and it's really what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So, and the, you know, I guess I don't really have to argue that with somebody. And so yeah, I'm just, I'm comfortable with trans or transgender and, um, and I respect others um, what they are comfortable with. But anyway. But so. do you feel like a dude? Do you feel like a dude? I do. Most of the time I feel like a dude. Yeah. Um, I, there's times, though, that I still feel like a girl. Like, I don't I don't denounce, you know, having been raised or socialized a girl. I don't denounce my history. In fact, I really like that part of myself still. I just, it, for me, it really was, it wasn't about a persona um and being a dude because i was always a dude i was always butch i was always a dude it was really about transforming my exterior to to feel comfortable like it was just about getting comfortable in my body and it wasn't about because i was always a dude yeah so i've always i've always felt like a dude 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you a dude? Um, I don't, I, sometimes I wonder if I'm dude enough. You know, there's the idea of the macho. I don't watch sports. I don't do, you know, that kind of dude kind of stuff. But I'm fairly duty, I guess. Yeah. Duty du- sounds bad. But du- <laughs> dudelish, you know. I'm a bloke. I'll just say I'm a bloke. Yeah, you are a bloke. <laughs> you are a bloke. Is that going dude? Down to is pub. That, is going that, down to yeah, pub. That's, that's Australian for, for dude. Okay. Going down to bloke. pub. Go, I go down the pub. I don't drink, but I go down the pub anyway. Just to make to keep order. Well, that's very dude. That's very bloke. <laughs> that is to go down to the pub. Yeah. My um my friend uh in San Francisco was a butch lesbian, and then um he uh moved to Australia and lived in Perth, and then transitioned in Perth, and then um you know took the opportunity to go to this other continent and completely reinvent himself as a man, and um wow. and it was cool because I always had to see that that. Aside of him, I knew that he was a man, you know, I know I never related to him as not a man, even though he was a lesbian and he was a, a biologically female. But then when I saw him again, we saw him together, actually, years, years yeah. later in, Sydney? Um, in it, he came to what Sydney, but he was living in Perth and he was a he was a mechanic and he had oh, a beautiful yeah. girlfriend. and He was a rockabilly. Yeah, I remember him. <laughs> yeah. And you go, wow, what a great what a great thing to take your transition, take it all the way to Australia and, and reinvent yourself as a, as a rockabilly dude. Is that what he went there for? Or was, cause I, I think he, I fantasize in the beginning of leaving this, you know, wherever I was to go transition someplace else in the beginning. I mean, because mostly because I was fearful that I didn't want to do it in front of anybody that I really knew. That was my first thoughts about being trans was, Oh, I'm going to have to go away to do this. But, um, was his just like a freedom sort of thing? I think thing? he was and just, like, he, I mean, he just has decided to move there and I don't know if it had anything to do with the um, transition or not, but that's just kind of uh, what what ended up taking place. Huh. Well, yeah, he was he was a hot dude. Yeah, he's a hot dude. He's a really hot dude. Yeah. That, that is taking it to the extreme though, to go to Perth. That's not, it's not even just to go to Australia, which is maybe the furthest place away uh-huh. from anywhere, but then you're going to the other side of that. <laughs> <laughs> like where going. it's just Perth. Keep there's, going there's to the end of the world. So that is really like I'm starting over yeah. completely. That is just taking it to that level. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he he'd gone to Perth to transition or, or whatever. But it, that's a great thing. I mean, you had to transition on stage as a comedian. I, you know what, I um, transitioned on stage touring with you, and it, I, one month after my surgery, I was back on stage with you, and I had been only on hormones for a little a little while and so I looked very boyish and then I slowly started to look more and more sort of grown-up mannish um and um yeah completely on stage and I it's funny because I look back at pictures or videos from that time and I hear my voice from that time or look at my face from that time and it was so different it was such a different um and I actually I was so out on stage that it didn't bother me at all to transition in front of people but mm-hmm. I was out and about and physically like changing every day um in front of people and i i didn't think twice about it actually i didn't it, it, in the beginning it's weird that you because i remember i was just saying that you know i thought i had to maybe run away to go do this transformation and i ended up doing it in a very very public for you know format so but it was great it was great i think actually that that's the road you you just aged because that's yeah. what it does to you. You you were a boy and then you came back a man. Because it just ages you. You come back and you go, holy Christ, look at me. I'm so much older now and my voice has changed and I'm I'm a man. I I was a child and now I'm a man. I've I've it's like going to sea and coming yeah. back as yeah. as a as a fully formed gent. 
I agree. Or when you put I a agree, baby yeah. in a spaceship. Do you ever hear that? I don't know why. Like what? I don't know why, but you know when a baby they put a baby in a spaceship and then like a le- like this idea that if you would put a baby in a spaceship, it'll come back an old man because space is is different in the time continuum. <laughs> well, yeah, I, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably just like that. <laughs> I don't know why. I've never I've never heard that. I, they, yeah, is, is that like a scientific like one I don't of those? Th- I like, don't think if you put all the monkeys in a room, they'll type Shakespeare. Yeah, eventually. If you put a baby in a spaceship, yeah, it will come back. I don't think they ever old. Yeah, I don't think they ever actually put a baby in a spaceship, but I just thought that that was something. <laughs> <laughs> that was a thing people did. Yeah, I I hadn't heard that, but yeah, cool. It is like um, you know, it, it, it I I I have like those weird comic feelings like right now. This is my feeling today. Um, I have to go to the go on the road tomorrow, not for very long, like a week or something. So the day that before I go on the road is always like the weirdest day because I just feel really. Um, I don't know if it's depression or something. It's just a weird feeling. And I've always had this ever since I started doing comedy is the day before I go on a trip, I, no matter how long the trip is, no matter where it is, I just have a really weird experience of the day before. I, I have something similar, but I, I've gotten really, really, really fun gigs and traveling with you and doing my own stuff and touring and doing my own individual solo like headlining stuff i get great shows but every time before i go like you're saying the day before or the morning of i right before i leave every single time i say to my partner i go why'd i say i do this (laughs) do you do Uh that oh yeah do you do that I love doing what I do. I love it so much. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But every single time I turn, I say it to somebody out loud, what I say, I do this. Like I have that moment of anxiety. I don't know if it's depression or, but I have that moment of like, fuck, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. Do you do that? Well, it's, it's, I think it's the element of everything of the, of the, you have to get everything together, mm-hmm. travel, get there. If you could just say, you know, oh, I'm doing the gig tomorrow and then fall asleep and wake up tomorrow like, all right, you're on in two minutes and just walk on stage. That's perfect. Um, but it's the whole, you know, getting there. And, and, you know, even now you might you, you miss a flight by two minutes and you don't make the show. You know, this mm-hmm. is weird. It's just those travel elements of it, I think. But it's also that in your head, you're like, I got to do this. I got to get laundry. I got to get it's everything you got to do. Yeah. To leave town. Yeah. Um, it's just in your head and plus it's just that yeah you're going away but when you get out there you're like oh this is so fantastic i love being on the road yeah but it's once you get there I, I i feel it is it is a, well it's like the, to me it's just that the day before leaving it's all the suffering is the day before leaving because once you're on the road it's great it's fun and then there's nothing better than coming back home that's the best coming back home after a big gig it's just oh it feels so good i like the balance of being on the road a lot and feeling like i would like to be home and when i'm home i like the feeling of needing to be on the road like mm-hmm. i think that that's the perfect balance someone said to me don't you doesn't that feel like screwed up to you like don't you feel like i'm like no if i'm at home jonesing to be on the road if i'm on the road jonesing to be home like that's the perfect balance to me i don't know it sounds weird but like i like but it's I right like both those yeah those feelings isn't the day before you leave it kind of feels like that last day of summer yeah like you're going back to school tomorrow yeah you're going back to school tomorrow and like like your life will somehow start again tomorrow and then i I just get into all these weird philosophical things like why do i do this not even just why did i say yes to this why do i do this at all why do do why do i do anything (laughs) you know and it's a weird it's a just that you answer yourself when you ask no no because i mean the the uh, answers really are pretty obvious it's like yeah i gotta because it's my job i'm supposed to do this i can't not do it you know and then i i go and do it and it's great but it's just that the day before is always a weird 
feeling. Could you ever not do comedy? I know your work ethic and I know you work constantly. Could you ever not do comedy? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe at some point, uh, possibly. I mean, I was thinking about that, like, you know, that there's different kind of levels of retirement that you could take, you know, maybe, maybe I could, I could do that. But then I would feel like, uh, well, what do I do in life? I probably still do sets around town. If I didn't do big shows, you know, I would probably still do like um, sets, you know, whatever, like last night or, or you know, um, at Akbar, you know, just stuff around the city just because I would feel irrelevant and useless if I didn't do something like that, you know, and I did a set last night and I hadn't done a set for like two months and it felt really weird because really disjointed and I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I was like, I really cannot remember any of the, the pathways that I had before to jokes and I can't. Uh, figure this out and it was really weird so now you know well, I'll I, go back and I'll do it and it'll be okay but I didn't think that was noticeable I, I saw your set and I thought that it was I thought it was even though it, you, I know you well enough to know like to see you looking for that pathway but I thought it was kind of raw oh, I like that good. I like that kind of rawness and that I'm not sure where I'm headed, but you're all going to be okay. We're going to go together and like that. You <laughs> took everybody you. with you. Yeah. But it's weird when you do, if you've taken like a long break and then you're like, you go back and you're like, what am I? What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. What is this? You're, you're being like, how does this bit go? How does this thing, what am I going to say? Yeah. But you just sort of stumble through it. I mean, and that's where sometimes you find like another part of that mm-hmm. piece or that joke or whatever you've never thought of because mm-hmm. sometimes have it just being fresh, like you haven't been up telling the, the same jokes for a while. Mm-hmm. It just gives it that new freshness like, oh, it's kind of it's kind of like that. You know, it's nice to have that little break once in a while, especially after you've done it for a long time. And, you know, I mean, yeah. in the beginning, you got to get up on stage every single night, wherever it is and just do it. But I think after you've done it for many years, you you allow yourself like, oh, I can not do it for a couple of days mm-hmm. or, or a couple of weeks or whatever and then go back with it. And it's just fresh like you love it again almost. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I think the I know what you mean though, like that fumbling. I've actually forgotten some of my jokes. I've like um, or I've uh, revamped it on the spot, <laughs> and or left a bunch of stuff out, or actually done some even better, like ma- you know made it sm- shorter and better. Um, just out of that, you know, that hadn't been done comedy for a while, kind of forgot my bit. And then ended up making something better and shorter. As some some good things have come out of it. Oh too. yeah, I mean, but it's but. I I think it would be weird to not not do it at all. Like I think I would yeah. always have to do some yeah. level of it. And and you know we we could always always podcast also. What what's the longest you've probably gone without a set? I think maybe the longest I've gone without a set was about two months. Like about that yeah, but two months, three months. That that's about the longest. And it's because you were doing something else, or you yeah. were just like, I, I can't be asked. No, no, I'm I, not I, leaving the house. <laughs> I mean, I, now, now that you live in Austria, it must be. Hard. I know because I'm permanently in Austria. I um, I uh, like just have gotten jobs and then you know worked like, or if you know was working on my TV show in Atlanta, then I'd you know be like, um, not doing sets every night, but then. I would still not take that much time off in between because, you know, I'd always find the comedy club near where I was if I was working on location and I would try to do a set or something. I don't believe that you went almost three months without doing a set. That's that's hard. Almost three months. Yeah. Well, I just went almost two months just now. Well, also it was like weird holiday. and It was holiday and and I was traveling a lot and stuff. But I I know like even visiting you in Atlanta, like you would work all day and then go do a set. Like, yeah, do a set at night. Honestly, uh, and I don't, you could probably attest to this. I don't know anybody in comedy that has the work ethic that you do with all the stuff that you do. And actually for me in the moving here from Maine and meeting you and traveling with you actually inspired 
me in a way that like about comedy and the ethic around it and that is a job it can be fun it is fun but just how fucking hard you work is unbelievable i mean do you know others that (laughs) no 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 i don't and that but i think i think the thing about if you love stand-up because some people they reach a point where they go i did stand up and now i do this and they never go and they're almost Mm -hmm. afraid to go back to do right right but i've seen a lot of i've seen some very big people that that love stand up and no matter what they do they get something out of being on stage mm-hmm. and it's not that like fill that empty void i mean there might be a, a, a touch of that but the thing is getting up on stage and talking to people and, and making them laugh just gives them it gives them something that they don't get from any of their other creative endeavors and i think people that really are, are great stand-ups and love it could never ever totally give it up yeah. They just have to just get on stage because it there's nothing like that. There's mm-hmm. nothing like being on stage and and making any number of people laugh with your thoughts and ideas. That's just there's nothing like that anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I I I don't want to ever stop. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I mean, you know, I and it's always do it. It's something there's always something different to work on, you know, whether it's um, you know, e- even just talking about it like we're doing here. Or, you know, whether it's tweeting and actually we had some Twitter questions that we had asked um, some of our listeners to submit some questions for us. Oh, okay. And so I have, uh, I, this is a very exciting, it's like very, very podcast for reals now. <laughs> we have our audience and uh, uh, one, uh, one of our Twitter followers who is uh, my friend, uh, Felicia Michaels, who's a great comedian, very, very funny lady. Um, she tweets, uh, I, I would love for you to talk about what... My, my, I would love for you to talk about what motivated you to produce your own comedy specials early on. And this is actually relevant for you also because you've also, Ian, has uh, produced his own comedy specials. Well, the reason I did, um, I started to do them myself um, around 1999, 2000 because I couldn't get a job anywhere else. So (laughs) that was basically what motivated me to do my own comedy specials because... um, you know, I couldn't really get a, a special anywhere else and nobody was giving me a special. And, um, you know, I had done uh, them for different cable stuff, but then I wasn't getting them anymore. And I had all this uh, material. I had an hour of material that I wanted to put out there, but um, I didn't have any any kind of way to put it out. So what I did was I got um, a film crew together and we actually filmed an, uh, an, an whole sort of a whole night of one of my concerts. And then I put it out on... Um, uh, in in movie theaters, and I would go to movie theaters, and I would take the print around and show it, and and um, you know, so from this, I think a lot of comedians got the idea that they can do their own specials, and they can actually like take it around and and sell them themselves, and so, so that's what you're doing. You did a Kickstarter. I did. You really pioneered that, I think, and that I, I, from that example, um, I did a very small scale. <laughs> like I didn't have the, I don't have the following that you do, but I do have a small following, and I produced my comedy special in my hometown back in Portland, Maine. And um, I, I did it for very similar reasons, um, but for basically, I'm I want to work, and a lot of people to to see the people want to see what you can do and that you can um, hold an audience. And I don't have any comedy specials on Comedy Central, and no one's handing those out to me either. And I, sometimes I think, oh, I'm just not what they're looking for. Their their target market is like teenage boys and whatever, and I'm just not the guy that's going to interest them. And I don't necessarily blame it on like a trans thing. I think, you know, maybe sometimes it is, but I thought no one's going to do this for me. I need to do this for myself and Mm -hmm. to archive this and to record it. But, you know, for, you know, historic purposes and that to archive my material and to also sort of put it to bed, 
ideally, and to uh, and to move on and begin writing new stuff. Because that and that's my biggest fear. When you were talking about that um, after the special, I asked you. I said, "Are you ever afraid you're going to run out of material? Like once mm-hmm. you finish button something like this up, do you ever get scared?" And it's still my fear. Like I'm I'm afraid I don't have any more in me um, after you know producing like you know that one hour of your best stuff that you've done for the last few years. Like uh, what do you, you know? What do you? What do I have? Do am I still? Do I still have anything in me left? Do I have oh, yeah. it? Yeah. And yeah. so anyway, but um, yeah. So I, I I did the same thing, and and I'm doing. I'm a I'm about to take it to festivals, mm-hmm. and then it will be released. But it's one of the. It's a very long. You have to have a lot of patience um, to go through that process and making the film, writing the material, getting to a place in your you know performance that you can do something like that, and then to record it, and then to you know, the, the, the steps that it's just, it's a lot of stuff that you're just like, Oh, sh-, you know, I'm, thank God I never asked anybody literally how much work it was mm-hmm. to do it because I probably wouldn't have done it. You know what I mean? Like if, if someone had said, you got to do all these things, I wouldn't have done it, but I, I just dove in and, and was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I, I never asked anybody specifically all the steps for that reason. So, mm-hmm. but it was hard and uh, I'm, but but great. I'm so proud, uh, mm-hmm. so proud. And it's, um, it will be out probably sometime next fall. That's cool. So. I mean, it's great to put, you know, the the power in your own hands and then produce stuff like that. And the thing about the way that the um, comedy industry really is, is that you you can have that kind of autonomy now to do that. And the way that entertainment is, you can find those channels, you can find your audience and, and put it in all these different places. And it's great to have your own control over something like that, to own that and to do that. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That's what I'm. I'm excited to do that next. That's what part I'm feeling impatient about is that that next step after festivals of like getting it into the hands of people who supported me through Kickstarter mm-hmm. to be able to let them see what they helped me do. Yeah, you know? but so, it's great. It's yeah. great that you got to do that grassroots yeah. thing, and then you yeah. get to you know raise money, and then you make this thing, and then it's uh, awesome that you have it as a calling card forever. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's yeah. a good record of all this this time you spent on this material, and you know, it's a good it's a good introduction for people who haven't seen you before. You know, it's a perfect, Absolutely. perfect thing. Yeah, it's like my, it's like you know, a, a band's first first album. You know, mm-hmm. like it, that excitement about it. Like, um, so I, I can't wait for people to see it. Yeah, yeah. it's really, really cool. It's so, really cool. And and uh, you executive produced it. I got executive produced it. <laughs> wait a minute, is this just a big plug? It is. <laughs> but I I think that's a beauty too because even if you look at like because I was at the taping of your first mm-hmm. uh, uh, movie yeah i'm the one that i want which yeah. was based on your you you toured the show mm-hmm. a lot before that so this mm-hmm. was sort of like the concert uh, document of it but but you you I mean that's look, that was 99 mm-hmm. and you look at now where we are i mean you, the technology has jumped so fast forward now that you mm-hmm. can do not on that grand scale i mean whatever still but you can do some level of that now on your own and i think that's why networks and and everything is just trying to figure what out what to do now because it the the ta- the, the technology is in the hand of the talent to do what they want to do yeah and you can sort of do stuff on your own that looks really good mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. and and just put it out there and re- i mean that's the, the the brilliance of podcasting is there's so many people that just want to hear something different something they're mm-hmm. not being offered anywhere else and i think that's why people just there's such a strong um, um, allegiance to that of people mm-hmm. that just love it but I, I just love the, the revolution in technology that you go I'm going to make a little film of whatever and yeah. put it up there and you can have it up there it's yeah. you did it it's yours and 
and nobody's telling you, ah, oh, you should take that scene out or you should do this or well, we're going to rewrite it and put our names in the credits or whatever. I think I think that's the beauty of it right now. Yeah, it puts the hands up. You just you puts the control in your hands, which is really important. Creative control, which is really important. Which that that's ultimately, you know, people um, for other comics out there, like I, I didn't I never thought someone was going to scoop me up and do all this stuff for me. Thank God I didn't necessarily think that. So but I don't think that that's the way anymore either. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of people I think that are waiting for that 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 agent or that person. And it really is all stuff that's really accessible to you to do yourself. And that's that's beautiful, too, if if you are that person to, to do that for yourself. Um, but you have to do yeah. it. You have to do it for yourself, I think, at this point, because I think the industry, well, comedy in itself has changed. You know, it's not the same thing where you used to have like people like waiting to get, you know, to get get you to so you get, get like development deals and you right, get like right. these development deals year after year. And then you sort of live off that while you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. Like, but that that service has really changed. That was almost like an old studio system, you know, where um, uh, kind of a movie company would own you. And they would own all right. all the rights to you, and even own to an extent what you would say on stage. Like I remember, um, I had worked for one of these big production companies years and years and years ago in like 1994. And then I was talking about drugs on stage, and then I would get a memo saying, "Please do oh, not Jesus. talk about drug use on stage. You are representing this network, this company, right. this corporation." And 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 that's very hard to hear if you're a comic. You're like, "Well, I I I didn't sign up to that." Yeah, you did. You kind of do when you when you sign up to these sort of big entities, which doesn't really happen anymore. Right. You would actually have to give over everything that you did, including your soul. That's the weird thing about about people. These entities, these you know, these galactic empires and things like that. They go, "We love what you do. Mm-hmm. We love your comedy. We want to get in business with you." And then they do it, and it's like, now don't be you. Yeah. Be something that (laughs) we want. You know, that's the thing about it. It's like, change everything that we loved about you Mm -hmm. to fit into this other thing that we're trying to present. Like, why, why, why didn't you just get that person? Right. But they, but that's the thing. They wanted you because they knew that you were what they wanted. Mm -hmm. But then they go, well, but don't, but don't, but don't be you. Don't be you. (laughs) <laughs> From what I understand, they're still doing that to some extent with a lot of not just the reality shows, but the contest shows and things like that. They're mm-hmm. producing stories, right. you know, e- even on you know the, the, all the singing competitions and things like that. Their 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 producers are creating a storyline and looking for that character who has a good voice, who whatever it is, but that but ultimately like, crafting you into what they want. You know, oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah, And so they are looking for that person that they want now. They're looking for that person who will morph into that 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 character, or they'll carry the yeah. narrative for them. Yeah, absolutely. That that's going to carry yeah, this narrative, absolutely. and that that um you know that it's never going to fit perfectly into their narrative. You know, if it's and if the person's actually an artist and and really you know kind of true to themselves, it's going to be really hard for them to do. Yeah, people. Uh, most um, people don't know that that is exactly how it works out here. They or if they do, they just ignore it. Like I don't have much experience with it. I just know from having seen other people and her. You know, I don't haven't for, experienced it firsthand. But that high production, highly produced stuff um, is how it works out here. I mean, there's there's very little that's that's real. I mean, that, that except that for podcasts, we are yeah, we're right. so we're the <laughs> last. <laughs> Bastion of real. That is the absolute truth because there's so much manufactured on TV Mm -hmm. and in in music and everything like that and even comedy to some degree 
that people there's this I've talked to a lot of people that have like really good uh, popular podcasts. They say there's an audience out there that is just hungry for something. And I love that people are listening. They're not even mm -hmm. watching. They're listening. There's something great about mm -hmm. listening to something and mm -hmm. giving, giving it full attention. Because even in comedy clubs now, you don't even get the attention of people right. that much anymore because they're fiddling with their phones or they're, they're texting or they're, they're watching something on the other side of the room. It's just amazing that people are just in their car or walking or on a plane or wh whatever they're doing and they're listening to stuff again. I think that's, that's something sort of really nice about that. Yeah. It's actually kind of old-timey. People, I remember the Waltons sitting around listening to the radio, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, watching that show. And there is something really awesome and, and beautiful about that, that it is this high technology, but it's also like back, like old school, like that listening that you're I know. talking we, about. Now we need to get like a box with sand in it so we can march some shoes. <laughs> I always love that. Like when they have a radio play and then there's like a box with shoes. And I always think, you know who I think is uh, moving the shoes? Ron Lynch. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> he is the most radio play sort of looking person I, I've ever seen. He's sort of Mercury players, isn't he? Yes, he's very he's very sort of Charlie McCarthy, um, <laughs> the, the, the crew of Charlie McCarthy, that, uh, that's a radio play guy. But I think we are, um, I don't, I think we're out of time. But uh, yes, thank you so much I want to say thank you so much Thanks. to our guest, Ian Harvey. Um, and uh, thank you, of course, to my co-host, Jim Short. We have been the Monsters of Talk. And um, hey, we're, we have a Twitter. We have a Twitter. We have a Twitter. Um, we are at Monsters of Talk. So you can tweet us. Uh, you could also tweet uh, at Jimmy Shelter and also at Margaret Cho if you have questions for us or our future guests, whoever that might be, um, or, or suggestions for guests that we could have. Mm. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I'm about to go on the road. Uh, I'll be out there. Um, are, you on the, are you on the road this week? No, I'm, I'm, I'm off. So I'm off for a bit. Well, we will be back anyway um, with more podcasting. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, guys. We are the Monsters of Talk. Cheers.